You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. Labor's rights in the United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio. And it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. For the Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-hosts and fellow agitators David Story and Adam Keller. It is Saturday, April 17th, 2021, and we're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, April 18th, 2021 on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama, and sometime next week on WHIV in New Orleans, Louisiana. Today, we have not got a guest. We're going to be breaking down some of the reactions to the Amazon Union election, giving an update on the coal miners' strike, and taking your calls. So get the number ready. 1-866-494-9866 is the number. All this and more on today's Valley Labor Report. Uh, So remember, folks, the North Alabama DSA has a necessities drive this Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m. at the IBEW Local 558 Union Hall on Clinton Avenue right across from Yellowhammer and Campus 805. Uh, Bring by your non-perishable food items, PPE, clothes, blankets, all that good stuff, and your donations will be forwarded to the Manor House. Uh, If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide questions about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore A-L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. Adam is not on Twitter, uh, but we should get him one of those accounts so that uh, so that we can have his hot takes. We're going to have to get that fixed. Uh, if you miss part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to thevalleylaborreport.transistor.fm slash subscribe. We've got a website where you can buy our fantastic union-made hats, union-made stickers, and union-made bumper stickers, uh, thevalleylaborreport.org. We've still got a lot. We've got like 50 hats left, so make sure you go by and get one of those. They're $35. That includes shipping. It's really good. It's really nice. Me and Adam are both rocking ours. Uh, You should check it out, thevalleylaborreport.org. And finally, If you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. 
All right. Uh, so, you know, folks, give us a call, 1-866-494-9866. We've only got a couple of things that I wanted to make sure that we hit on. That's the coal miner strikes and some of the reactions to the Amazon unit election. So we're going to have a lot of space to fill. So 1-866-494-9866 is the phone number. Uh, Adam, how have you been doing this week? You've been doing good? Doing great. Uh, happy to be here. Always thankful for my brother, David, trying to uh, teach me the ropes. Uh, so... Thanks. Just happy to be here. Good, good. So, uh, glad to have you here. I, I I enjoy your company. You're really great. He's a you know, folks. I don't know. Folks may not may not know a whole lot about Adam, but but he's a um uh he he's a, a really he, he's a really experienced uh, uh organizer and educator. He may look young, but he is he's also quite old. Not as old as David, but he's pretty old. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Folks, uh, remember, we have got a strike going on right here in Alabama. It doesn't happen often. And in fact, this is the largest coal mine, uh, coal miner strike since 93, I believe it was, when, when we had a, uh, the, the last time we had a significant strike in the, in the coal mines in Alabama. Uh, there are 1,100 workers, 1,100 coal miners at Warrior Met Coal in Brookwood, Alabama, right outside of Tuscaloosa. Uh, they decided about a week ago to reject a tentative agreement offered by the company and to continue striking until more of their demands are met, right? So let's, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but let's back up a bit and, and uh, you know, I want to give you kind of the 30,000-foot view of, of what these coal miners have been going through and, and, and why they're striking. Back in 2015, Walter Energies, that's who owned this coal mine, they went bankrupt, Back in 2015, Walter Energies did, who owned the coal mine. A new company bought them out, and as part of the bankruptcy process, as part of the buyout, they forced the miners to take substantial compensation cuts. They took cuts uh, to, I mean, they took cuts all across the board. It was insane. And this was said uh, that, you know, they said that these cuts were important in order to make the company profitable. So among these cuts are a $7 an hour pay cut. I mean, that that in and of itself, $7 an hour is huge. And we're not talking about we're not talking about, uh, you know, the, these aren't folks that are making $160, $70, $80, $90 an hour, okay? They're now making like 20 the, uh, the I talked to I talked to some coal miners uh, man, I guess it was almost 2 weeks ago now. They've been on strike for a bit. Talked to some coal miners the weekend after the strike started and uh w- one of the fellows that has been in the mines for 22 years he's now making $28 an hour been in the mines for 22 years going down every day 6 7 days a week for 10 12 hour shifts not getting uh, sometimes not even getting a paid lunch break 2000 feet below the surface of the earth and now he's only making $28 an hour that's insane that is insane so a $7 an hour pay cut Cuts to their health care, cuts to their retirement, cuts to their paid lunch break. You know, remember, like when they go down 2,000 feet below the surface of the earth, they can't come up for lunch and they don't have like, you know, one of the things that they said is like, we've not, we don't have like McDonald's and stuff down there, you know, like we've got to eat down in the mines. And uh, before the bankruptcy happened, they would get a 30 minute, which is not a lot, but they would get a 30 minute paid lunch break. And that makes sense because, you know, you're still, you're still down there. Now, half the time they don't even get a paid lunch 
lunch break. Uh, they have now they have to have mandatory uh, uh, seven day work weeks. Uh, like they don't get a choice in it. Before they had before the bankruptcy, they had six day work weeks, and they could choose. Okay, do I want to work on a holiday? Do I want to work seven days a week if we're wanting to try to meet some production goals? Now they don't get to choose. It's completely at the discretion of management under this new contract. It it's it's. It, it's ridiculous. They are the worst compensated group of coal miners in the state. Okay, and and that was because of the concessions that they made to make Warrior Met to make this coal mining operation profitable. They sacrificed for the company, and it worked. It worked. Warrior Met has now pulled record amounts of coal from these mines for two out of the last five years. These mines have been operable for 40 or 50 years, and for two of the last five years, they have had record production. They have had record profits. The price of steel has gone through the roof, and what some of these what some of these miners have told me, which I didn't realize, is that um, the... the uh, uh, the reason, you know, a lot of folks know that the price of wood and lumber has gone up. The reason for that is because the price of steel has gone up. And so where a lot of commercial construction previously would have used steel, they have begun to use uh lumber instead because lumber is still cheaper than steel and so now that's affecting you know building homes because that's not like commercial construction and so anyway and this coal is metallurgical coal it's not like it's not like used for energy it's it's a component of steel creation and this is like some of the best metallurgical coal like the the most pure that 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 you've got like on the world so these these coal miners said so uh Two out, two out of the last five years have been the mo- the record-breaking production out of the 50-year history of this mine. I mean, that's that's like they have done their part. And the executives are making millions of dollars. There are multiple executives at Warrior Met who are making millions of dollars. And they have made – they have gotten 10, 15, 20 percent pay increases, 20 percent uh, uh, compensation increases. Uh, Jacob, you may be about to say this, but you mentioned the bonuses – yeah, that they are receiving, which is more than a lot of people make in an entire year. Yeah, well, the bonuses that they're receiving is not even just the uh, uh, not even just the executives. Some of the like floor supervisors are getting uh, uh, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar annual bonuses for uh, effectively cracking the whip on these coal miners. I mean, it it it's ridiculous. It, it is it. It's absurd. I really recommend going and listening, partly because this podcast that I'm about to plug, it's mostly not me. It's you know, and you know, you're listening to me now. If you want to hear actually what the coal miners themselves are saying, go find the Working People's Podcast on Spotify or wherever you find it. And I've got conversations with like half a dozen of these coal miners and and what they're going through. It's it's really really good and touching conversation. And so you know, the the question then arises, like, okay, well, what are their demands? Their demands are parity with other coal miners in the state. It's not anything crazy, and and that's that's one of the things that really came out in these conversations is that like they almost seemed like almost seemed conciliatory that they were on strike. You know, they they kept they kept telling me like, look, we're not asking for anything crazy. We're not asking for anything crazy. We're just asking for what other coal miners in the state are making. And sh- like they they just wanted to make sure that like I knew and the audience knew that they didn't think they deserved like some extravagant compensation package, which, you know, like 
if anybody deserves outrageous compensation packages, it's coal miners, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, these guys were very proud, and I got the mm-hmm. vibe that they just really didn't want to go to strike. They, right. they were hoping it didn't come to that. Yeah. Uh, but the company wanting to cut even more, not even to just keep the crap that they've already imposed on them the last right. few years, but to actually make it worse after record profits is just such an insult. Yeah, I mean, it, like I can't, I can't imagine the like just the wickedness to come as a multi-million dollar a year earning executive coming to the table across from the bargaining committee of coal miners who who came up out of the ground to bargain across the table from you. Like I can't imagine the audacity to sit there and tell them, "I want you to take less than you you're making now." Like that it's in, it's in, it's insane. But you know, Adam, you're exactly right that they're proud. And and you know, the, the uh, another thing that really came out in these conversations is is exactly how proud they are of the work that they do, of how um, you know, uh, of how uh, uh, like how much they value hard work. You know, these aren't these aren't people that are like they're not you know, they stress this. They're like I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking for uh somebody else to take care of me. I'm looking, you know, like I I believe in the value of hard work. I believe in self-sufficiency. I believe uh you know that if you can, you ought to support yourself and that's what they're doing. But the and that's something that a lot of folks in non-union settings, that's something that they really value and they see that as a disconnect with the labor movement they they believe that that union folks don't have these values and if you listen to these conversations like you it really disabuses you of that notion that that union folks don't believe in the value of hard work right i know the stereotype of like the quote-unquote lazy union worker and these guys are you know just the polar opposite busting their tail seven days a week yeah and and you know the disconnect comes when like everybody else they say I believe in the value of hard work, and so therefore, I'm going to take my licks. I'm gonna do. I'm going to do whatever the company says. I'm gonna lick their boots if they ask me to. You know, that's what that that's where those values lead a lot of folks. That's where the company. That's where the boss wants those values to lead you. But for these workers, they say, "I'm gonna do my part." But I'm also worth something, and I'm going to demand that I be paid fairly. I'm going to stand up for my rights, and I'm going to stand up for my worth, and that's something that I wish more people would take to heart. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtn.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. 
All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the machinist unions, over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, health care, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880. Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. WVNN. Depend on it. Jacob Morrison. I am here with new co-host Adam Keller, old co-host David Story, and we are talking about we are talking about uh, the coal miners' strike at Warrior Met Coal uh, down in Brookwood, Alabama. The United Mine Workers of America, who represent the coal miners down there, they have uh, they have gone on strike. Eleven hundred of them have walked off the job, and uh, and so we've been talking about. The conditions that they faced. We've been talking about the uh, the 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 pay and the compensation, the the sacrifices that they made for the company because the company went bankrupt in 2015, and the sacrifices that they made to make it profitable that were successful. And then the company has the audacity to come and say. I want you to take more sacrifices. I want you to take another seven dollar an hour pay cut. I mean, that's that is how bad faith. The bargaining was, and so, uh, so when the uh, uh, you know when they went into negotiations with the company, the coal miners unions bargaining committee, the, you know they're granted the authority by the membership to call a strike, and so after that 
obstinate um, and bad faith bargaining by the union. They did. They called an unfair labor practices strike because of the bad faith bargaining. And so, uh, so the bargaining committee voted to strike. They did. And less than a week later, the company came back with another offer and said, okay, look, we're not going to ask you to take more cuts. We're going to give you... <coughs> We're going to give you a little bit more. We're going to give you like a dollar an hour more or something. And, and, and I, I mean, it was really, it was still really insulting. It was not parody with other coal mines. Uh, it was not anything like that. Um, it certainly wasn't a million dollar raise like the CEO has gotten since 2015. And so, uh, uh, so that agreement was voted down by the membership. As, and, and, and the membership decided, we're going to stay out on strike. We deserve more. We want to get parity with the rest of the coal miners in Alabama. And so that's what they did. Um, some other things have happened over the course of the strike at Warrior Met Coal. And, and uh, one of the, the big update is that Warrior Met filed an injunction against the union. Um, and so why did they do that? Uh, there were a couple instances of striking miners not moving for buses of scabs. Uh, they turned around a couple buses of scabs at the picket line at the entrances, which is cool as hell. That is awesome. Uh, but that only happened a few times. And, you know, of course, that's that's technically illegal. Blah, 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 Shout out to those miners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, solidarity. That's that's cool as hell, man. So but but that only happened like a couple of times. Right. This was not a wide spread phenomenon the rest of the complaint was like was like talking about managers and scabs feeling sad because their feelings got hurt because uh, the striking miners called them mean names as they crossed the picket line that's what the rest of the complaint consisted of it was just just a bunch of whining and moaning and i mean just this PC cancel culture nonsense from the scabs and from the managers who were sad about words. It was just the most, it, it was just, it was pathetic. It was really pathetic. And the response of the court was to grant a temporary restraining order. It was granted until April 15th, uh, and then it got extended until April 28th. So they're still under a temporary restraining order. And some of the things that it did was it just reiterated the law, like, okay, you know, guys, you like you can't turn around scabs, uh, you know, that that's not, you can't do that. And, you know, like, okay, whatever, fine, that's fine, that's not a big deal. Uh, okay, I can deal with that. The thing that I can't deal with is... This temporary restraining order limited the number of picketing uh, of picketers at each entrance to six, six people. This is like, I mean, the state, the government, big, big, big brother, the big government has come down and told these working Alabamians only six of you can protest at one time. How insane is that that a judge gets to make that decision? That's absurd. We've got we're supposed to have freedom of speech in this country, right? I mean, I thought like I thought we had freedom of speech. I thought the first amendment. I thought we had a constitution. They are literally assembling with their I mean, right. using their freedom of assembly at the picket line. Yeah. And and you know so that like that brings like that brings me to like wh- where I wanted to wrap this up is uh where the hell is the Republican politicians. Where the hell are the conservative media folks? Like, aren't coal miners the quintessential kind of Republican ideal of a working man? 
Like, I mean, they get their hands dirty. They work in resource extraction. So, you know, you can stick it to the libs by advocating for their rights or whatever. And that's something that Trump did, ostensibly. You know, remember, there was a big, I mean, you heard about it for weeks on this station back in 2016 when Hillary Clinton, uh, which, you know, whatever, rightfully so, when Hillary Clinton said something about putting coal miners out of work. The, that quote was taken a bit out of context, but look, it was tone deaf. It was bad, right? And you heard about it for weeks. I mean, no doubt, you probably still hear about it sometimes. And, and so, you know, where are, where are the folks... Where are the folks that are uh, uh, that that were so outraged about Hillary Clinton saying that about coal miners? Where are they? They're I mean they're not anywhere to be found. Right. And where's the outrage about an activist judge yeah. telling telling people how many of you can actually assemble in a space? Yeah. Uh, but I want to make sure everybody knows what a scab is. If you're not familiar, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, right, you right. know the scabs are, are who the company brings in when the union is on strike. Uh, these are people who are non-union people who are uh, willing to uh, walk past mm-hmm. uh, their fellow workers and go in and work uh, oftentimes for you know temporary contracts and, and that's a classic union busting technique when folks go out on strike uh, they look for usually people who are desperate uh, yeah. people who are so desperate that they are willing to be a scab right. uh, you know that which doesn't necessarily justify it on their their part but uh, that's a classic technique, and and I'm not surprised that you know Warrior Med is doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a good clarification. Thank you for that, Adam. Uh, uh, sometimes we get caught up in our own lingo, lingo, but yeah, and and you know, not only that, but like the free speech side of this, right? Like I had been led to, be, you know, uh, I had been led to believe that like conservative folks really cared about, uh, you know, woke. PC mobs telling people what they can and can't say and when and where they can say that. But here we've got a judge. We've got an activist judge, big government, violating the Constitution, coming in and telling minors that no more than six of them, telling them when and where they can say what they can say. Like, I thought I had been led to believe that free speech was a big issue on the right now. I thought they hate it when people get canceled, but coal miners right here in Alabama are being canceled by the state and you haven't heard a peep about it. Oh, but God forbid that a conservative multimillionaire not have his book listed on Amazon.com, right? All of y'all know what I'm talking about because that story was talked about for weeks. But you are not hearing about working Alabamian coal miners being supp- their speech being suppressed by the state. Huntsville's number one news talk and weather station. WVNN FM. WVNN FM Trinity. A cumulus station. It's 10 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Brian Clark. We remember before thee this day, Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. That's the Archbishop of Canterbury speaking during the just-completed funeral of Prince Philip. There were only 30 mourners in attendance. The ceremony scaled down because of the pandemic. Queen Elizabeth II was one of them, and she said farewell to her husband of more than 70 years. Someone said on social media, the Queen will not be alone. The nation will be by her side. And I think that is the overwhelming feeling that people are having today. Whatever they think about the monarchy, they are deeply devoted to this woman and her life of service. 
That's ABC's Deborah Roberts. Prince Harry, in his first visit to the U.K. since giving up his royal duties, was part of the procession that walked behind his grandfather's casket. In the U.S., almost 100 people were detained overnight in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. It followed more civil unrest in the wake of last week's fatal shooting of Dante Wright. Hennepin County Sheriff David Hutchinson with a warning for those who plan to cause violence. Please stay peaceful. And the people who are intent on causing harm, you're going to find yourself where you are tonight and back in the Hennepin County Jail. This was after authorities say a peaceful demonstration turned violent with people hurling glass bottles at officers. A curfew was ordered and pepper cannons were used to disperse the crowd. Mark Remillard, ABC News, Minneapolis. Authorities in Indiana continue their investigation into the shooting that left eight people dead at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis. ABC's Aaron Katursky says the shooter used to work there. 19-year-old Brandon Hole last worked at the FedEx warehouse in Indianapolis in 2020. Detectives have served several search warrants at multiple locations and are continuing to gather evidence to determine the facts that led up to Thursday night's incident. Deputy Indianapolis Police Chief Craig McCart said Hole had a couple of prior run-ins with police, including one in which a gun was seized. The global death toll from COVID-19 has now surpassed 3 million people. You're listening to ABC News. How clean is your nose? Most airborne germs and allergens invade through the nose, your body's air filter, its first line of defense. You wash your hands and brush your teeth, but what about your nose? Did you know there's an easy way to keep your nose clean and help your body protect itself? It's called Navage Nasal Care. Navage uses powered suction to clean your nose by flushing out pollen, mucus, bacteria, and viruses. Millions use Navage for fast, all-natural relief from sinus congestion and allergies and to breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and it comes with an absolute guarantee of satisfaction. And 50,000 independent online reviews averaging 4.7 stars show just how much people love their Navage. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Now you can clean your nose and help protect your health with Navage. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, and Rite Aid. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. Make good nasal hygiene your new normal with Navage. Clean nose, healthy life. Hey, y'all. Are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcasts. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host Adam Keller and David Story. We are talking about the coal miners' strike in Alabama, and, um, and, and and you know we left off talking about how, like, where are the uh, the Republican advocates for working people? Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley have have told me that the Republican Party is now the party of the working class. Um, everybody in the conservative media space has told me that the Republican Party, that conservatives, uh, that, that these type of folks are the only defenders of freedom of speech, right? But here we've got coal miners who are not being compensated fairly. Who are who have walked off the job because of it? Who are being who are having their uh, their 
speech suppressed by the state, and you haven't heard a peep. If you haven't heard me call in to Dale Jackson's show on Thursdays, you haven't heard this covered not a single time on this station. I've been listening. I've been listening to every show for the since this uh, uh, since the strike started. It has not been talked about once when I've not been on the air. Not once. That's absurd, right? That's absurd. And uh, and seriously, I said this on the other on the other half on the other side of the break. But God forbid a conservative multimillionaire not have his book listed on Amazon.com. That's the kind of stories that you hear about when when people want to advocate for free speech. But that's not even relevant to the First Amendment because that's not the government. Here we've got a cut and dry case of the government telling people when and where and how and what they can say. And you're not hearing no defense of these working folks, these Alabama coal miners. They're being hung out to dry by Donald Trump, by the Republican Party, by the conservative media space. Like they don't care. And that's the rub. That's the like that's what I want to get across is that the conservative politicians, these media folks, their support for working folk is all performative culture war BS. Because now that coal miners in Alabama could use real support in a real material way, it's crickets. Not hearing nothing. And I told Dale this on Thursday, and his response, like it was so silly. He said, well, I haven't heard much about it in the liberal mainstream media either. I haven't heard it covered on AL.com, which is one, is not true, right? AL.com has, they have multiple articles about it. There are multiple articles about it in the Tuscaloosa paper, um, in other uh, other local uh, you know news stations, they're they're all covering it. I mean, it's not like the top story, but it's all being covered. It's uh, it's being covered at least a couple of times a week, which is more than you can say uh, for this radio station. And and it's silly because uh, like, does the liberal media have to cover an issue before conservative media jumps in and 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 says their piece on it? Like you don't have to wait for anybody to say anything. You know, like the, these are issues in your state that you theoretically have the power to influence the 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 popular narrative about this on the side. You could help these coal miners, and it's crickets. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's absolutely an indictment on the conservative media space that you hear more about Dr. Seuss than about striking coal miners. Because one of those issues, it just doesn't matter, right? Like, I just don't care that Dr. Seuss books with racist caricatures, whether they are or are not being published anymore, okay? I don't care. Like, I don't, I couldn't, I could not care less. Uh, The other one, has real freedom of speech implications. It has real implications for the ability of working Alabamians to support themselves today and in the future and for their families. I mean, th- this this is real. Like, these are people's lives. And I hope some of y'all out there, I hope that some of the more conservative coal miners on strike right now, which of which there are some, I ran into folks, had great conversations. I love them. I, they're my brothers and sisters. They had MAGA hats on, okay? I mean, they did. They're conservative. Some of them are conservative folks. And I hope that this strike, I hope it kind of plants a seed and gets gets y'all and gets them thinking about, like, uh, conservative Republican politicians, the conservative media space, who are they actually fighting for? Who are they actually beholden to? 
do they really care about working folks like you and me and those coal miners down in Brookwood? Like, I hope you just, like, maybe there's a couple of gears turning. Right. I mean, I hope that it, it starts to show that they just care about you as an idea. Yeah. Right? They like right. The, they like the image of a coal miner uh, that they can put mm-hmm. in a 30-second political ad, you know, all dirty, wearing a hard hat. Uh, and, and voting Republican, but when it comes down to real life, uh, these workers against management, 100% of the time, they're lining up with management. Right. And you see that not just with the media, but also with their judicial system. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, that goes to a bigger issue here in the state of Alabama is that the judges are so in the side of the bosses mm-hmm. that whether it's, you know, a uh, an injunction with a strike or, you know, individual claims you may have as a worker. Um, As an attorney once told me, ultimately the law is what the last judge said it was. Right. Right. So if the judge is predisposed to take the side of management, you know, the merits of your case matter a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is, you know, this is a Republican judge. He was appointed in 2011. I looked him up. He was appointed in 2011 by Robert Bentley. He was reelected as a Republican in 2012. And, you know, I mean, this is this is, uh, you know, this is a Republican judge. This is what the Republican Party stands for. OK. You know, I'm the, are the Democrats uh, the party of the working class? No. But are unions a good vehicle for working people to make their lives better? Yes. And do the do the Democrats are are they as are they like do they live and die by the destruction of the organizations of working people? Generally not. Not as much as Republicans. So, you know, that's something to consider. It's well, something to well consider. one thing I wanted to go back to is just the fact that these miners actually had the opportunity to vote down a right. tentative agreement. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're not in a union, if you're just by yourself and management decides, well, sorry guys. We're, right. we're going to offer more cuts. Mm-hmm. You don't really have much of a choice, right? You, right. you take it or you leave. Yeah. Uh, you know, you take it or you risk being uh, unemployed and have starvation, yeah. right? I mean, you have the threat of starvation and destitution mm-hmm. over your head, whereas these guys do have each other. Right. And that is that's the union difference. Yeah, they've got each other, and 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 they are on strike, and they are foregoing their paychecks and they're foregoing their their health benefits that they get from the company. But the union is looking out for them. The union has paid out now six. They issued the first payment of six hundred thousand dollars in strike pay for these workers, and the union has health insurance set up for them. And that's I mean that's exactly right. That's the union difference, right? And you you want to know where your dues money goes? Yeah, right. uh, because <laughs> folks love to talk about dues money and how mm-hmm. dues money is spent. Uh, and don't get me wrong, there are legitimate, you know, questions and, and conversations to have around that. But right. this is why you pay dues because you need it, right? Yeah. And, and and this is, uh, you know, so it's great that these guys have that fund to support them because mm-hmm. they have to stay out right now, right? Uh, and, and you know, more power to them. We hope that they can get a great agreement. Yeah. Uh, however long it takes. Yeah. And hopefully those scabs see the error of their ways and stop undercutting their fellow workers. Well, and, and something that you know. David mentioned is, you know, oftentimes these scabs are brought in from out of town, out of right. state. They don't know right? what they're so doing. They're gonna, you know, they may not know the territory or the community. And whatever money, whatever little money they get, it's not being spent in that community. Right. You know, so uh, I'm sure the judge is, is leaning on, uh, you know, siding with the company because of their role in the economy. Uh, but these scabs are not going to be supporting the economy there in Brookwood. 
No. Um, uh, Adam, you, you said something about the fact that these workers, because of you know, because of the education that they've received as union folks and the fact that they know that they've got each other's back and they're all able to walk off the job in solidarity together as opposed to, you know, individually bargaining. And, and so, you know, that they don't have as much of the um, starvation and homelessness held over them like workers in a non-union workplace do. That's a good segue into a question that we got from the YouTube chat from Andrew uh, Wilkening. He asked, uh, do you think that current high demand for employees in fast food and retail gives workers in those industries more power to organize and get what they deserve? Um, there are a couple of a couple of responses to that. One, do they have more power? Absolutely, they have more power. Um, the problem is that the, 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 the power that they have is time-limited because the power that they have comes from the fact that they are less, not, not you know, not in not completely but they are less threatened with starvation and homelessness now because of the um, unemployment stimuluses that have come out from the federal government as a result of the pandemic and things like that but that's all time limited that's going to expire at some point and these um, these retailers these fast food joints are like they are trying like you can you can read it in the uh, you can read it in all the news articles about that. They are really trying to hold on until the unemployment stimulus ends so that they can then hold starvation and homelessness over their workers again. Like and you can read the contempt that the bosses have that the corporate media has for these workers who now that they're not um, now that they're not threatened with um, or, or they're not as threatened with unemployment, uh, uh, with with um, starvation as a result of like not taking a job, not taking a job that doesn't pay you enough. They're not taking there. You know, some people are just not taking jobs because they're not being fairly compensated. And like the unemployment stimulus now is only three hundred dollars a week more. Uh, and so the maximum unemployment you can receive currently is. 500 is then $575 a week in Alabama. That's like $2,000 a month. That's $24,000 a year. That is the maximum that you can receive in Alabama. Okay, if you as an employer are not doing enough that that money looks if that money looks better than your job, screw you. Right. If unemployment is more attractive yeah then what you're offering for employment, then your job sucks. Yeah, screw you, okay? And I I, I freaking dare you. I dare you, Mr. Small Business Owner, to call in and give me your tears about how you can't get any workers to come in and work for your starvation wages. I just, 1-866-494-9866. I want to hear it. Give it to me, all right? Give it to me. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. 
The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617. 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. If you're looking for contractors with lower-than-average EMR and TRIR, if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256 383 3334, that's 256-383-3334, or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net, and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. You can depend on Yeffy for the latest news during your drive home. WVNN Afternoons. All right, folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-hosts, David Story and Adam Keller. Uh, So we were talking about the fact that a lot of these uh, service sector, retail worker, retail jobs, right, they're having such a hard time. They're having such a hard time finding workers. It's so sad. It's really so sad because they can't offer a job that looks better than a maximum, right? That Remember, that's maximum $24,000 a year. It could be as low as, uh, uh, of, as like $400 a month. It could be as low as $400 a month or, or $400 a week, which would be $1,600 a month, which would be like, what? I don't know, $18,000 a year, something like that. Like, Seriously, I said it before the break, and I'll say it again. If your job, if you've got a job, and it doesn't look better than eighteen to twenty-four thousand dollars a year, screw you. Okay, like it, like seriously. And and the fact that the fact that that this is such a big story that oh no, restaurants are having such a hard time fill these positions. Like what that tells you 
is that these jobs are so bad that living like 50% above the poverty line is better than these jobs. Like pay the workers more, give them benefits, give them time off, give them a real schedule and you'll be able to get you'll be able to get folks okay like i worked for i i worked for a restaurant i know how hard it can be and i know that a lot of those folks they wouldn't be there if it weren't for the fact that uh they would starve without it you know and so like the only thing that all these stories convince me of is that we need to permanently expand our unemployment payments that we need to uh that that we need to uh, permanently expand the the um, uh, the unemployment payments so that folks are not so that these jobs are not fundamentally coercive because that's what they are right now and so and, and so um, you know these these business owners these bosses these managers these corporations they are just trying to hold on until they can lord starvation and homelessness over their workers again they're trying to hold on until they get back to the good old days where their workers will die without their job that's all, what, I mean all this chatter it, it just goes to prove how much of our economy relies on people being in despair or mm-hmm. at the edge of despair yeah uh, much of it these quote unquote essential work. Right, so yeah. you're telling me that I'm essential. You need me, <laughs> right, to stay open, regardless of the fact that there may be a pandemic mm-hmm. around me. Uh, but I'm not so essential that I'm actually worth a living wage. Right. But I do think that the point remains that right now would be a good time, I think, to organize exactly. in the fast food industry because you have this uh, this huge demand for labor uh, and the supply is fairly limited because of these mm-hmm. factors we're talking about. Uh, but uh, one of the listeners brought up the huge amount of turnover mm-hmm. in, in the restaurant and service industry. And that is one of the biggest obstacles to organizing. Right. It's also a symptom of a really messed up industry, right? I mean, if you have a, a huge turnover rate, you're probably not doing things very well by your employees. Right. That's exactly right. And that's exactly right that now, because of the fact that they're having trouble fill these, filling these positions, workers do have way more power in these industries than they, have, than, than they would have like outside of this context. So like if you're in the area or if you're not in the area, like if you're just somewhere in the country and you're like and you want to be put in touch with a union, um, holler at us. Like we've got connections all over the country. We know and 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 where we don't have connections, we have connections that can get us connections, right? Like we know folks, if you want to uh, start organizing on your job, especially if you're in this community, like holler at us. We're on Twitter, at Labor Reporters. We're on Facebook, at The Valley Labor Report. Our DMs are open in both of those places. Uh, we'll talk to you. Like uh, that's, that's what we do, right? That's what we're about. We want to organize workers. We want their lives to be better. We want them to have more power on the job because labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor, so we want to empower workers to take that. Um <clears throat> The ne- uh, and and uh, again, the phone line is open. We have not gotten any any bosses call in crying about how uh, their starvation wages aren't enough to pull people off of barely over poverty unemployment. So you know that's unfortunate. If anybody else wants to call, or if you're a boss and you want to cry to us, uh, the number the line is still open one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. If you want to talk about that, or you want to talk about anything else, again the phone number is one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. The last thing that I have. 
had in my notes that I wanted to talk about was the Amazon election and the reactions to it. Um, you know, look, a lot look, of hot takes, a lot of hot takes, especially in the conservative media space. Oh my, oh my, there has been some hot takes. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, look, uh, workers at Amazon, they lost their union election. Uh, if you're a regular listener of this station, you will have been led to believe that this is because workers feel that they are fairly compensated, that they get what they deserve, and that you will hear that the union is peddling absurd claims of election interference. So I'm going to try to go go through these like kind of one by one, just kind of take a 30,000-foot view of it, disabuse you of these notions, try to do what I can in the a little over 30 minutes left that we've got in this show. Hopefully you take some of it to heart. And hopefully, hopefully look, I want you to go back and listen to to uh, our, of course, I want you to listen to our interviews with some of the Amazon workers, some of the organizers, some of the uh, RWDSU members um, that that work in the poultry plants nearby. Uh, they're really great. But more than that, uh, I would again point you to the Working People's Podcast because they were able to go and the Real News Network uh, because they were able to go more in depth with these workers than we were okay they were able to uh they were able to sit down with daryl and jennifer a couple of amazon workers that have been kind of at the center of the organizing efforts they were able to sit down with them go over their personal history go over their history at amazon why they think that they need a union um for like an hour an hour and a half two hours okay these are real good in-depth conversations and you really learn more about these folks like as humans than you can even through our interviews you can learn a little bit of it through our interviews but they were only you know like 10 20 minutes there's only so much that you can talk about in 10 or 20 minutes uh, jacob i just want to say this before you get into the nitty-gritty uh, I, I think it's good to to say that every campaign you're gonna have reflection yes you're gonna have critique uh i mean and there is definitely a place for good faith uh reflection analysis what went right what went wrong uh i have no doubt the organizers involved are are you know racking their brains losing sleep over what oh, no you know doubt. what they could have done differently should they have done diff- things differently so you know to all of our our activists and organizer friends listening you know i that's not to discourage that kind of uh analysis mm-hmm. i mean we have to do that we have to learn from our mistakes to get better next time right um you know, so I just wanted to put that out there before you get into some of the ridiculous uh, yeah. types of arguments we're hearing from the right. Yeah, well, and and I will say that Adam, you're exactly right. That there is a time and there is a place for this, even critical reflection on the campaign, and nobody is going to be doing that harder than the organizers involved. Okay, they they're already kicking themselves. Um, no doubt. And and I, I have gotten to know some of them over the course of these last several months, and they are, you know, I mean, they're just beautiful people. Uh, they have a heart for workers. They have a heart for their fellow man, and they have devoted sleepless nights to this campaign and to each other. And it, it has been, it's been really inspiring watching them. And, and what I want to do is not critique their strategy or anything like that that's not what i'm going to set out to do here i want to and and, you know like i said there's i mean sure i'm fine i'm i'm not saying that there's not a place for that but that's not what i want to do first off is you've been led to believe that amazon workers are fairly compensated that the job is good that uh that the reason that they voted down the union is because um 
this is a great job. They feel that they're well compensated. That is not accurate. That is not necessarily accurate. Uh, the first thing is that Amazon's PR, their corporate propaganda efforts, have done such a good job of convincing you and convincing other folks that $15 an hour is a good median wage for logistics work, which is bonkers. It is absolutely bonkers. $15 an hour is a decent starting wage for uh for for service work that you can come off the street and do without much training. That's a decent starting wage for that kind of work. There should be um Obviously, in my view, there should be raises, there should be benefits um, that, that come pretty quickly, in, even in that kind of work. But that is what $15 an hour, that, like, that is the kind of thing that you need to attach that to in your mind. What Amazon has done is they have taken that, they have, uh, they have disconnected it from the work that it was originally attached to, and they have now attached $15 an hour as a good median wage for logistics work. Which is, like I said, that's bonkers. Because, you know, they say that they start out at $15 an hour. But uh, do you know what the median wage in that facility is? It's like $15.70 an hour. Because uh, the the turnover is so high, they have 100% turnover in Amazon facilities. Again, great sign. Everything's yeah. going well. Oh, yeah. 100% turnover. Yeah, if you have 100% of your employees leave within a year, that means your job is fantastic, right? Of course, everybody knows that. But, I mean, it, it's, it's really... It's really absurd that they have convinced you that $15 an hour is a good median wage for logistics kind of work. This is the kind of work that would support a family on a single income 20 to 30 years ago. And they're now convincing you that, oh, this is this is fine. This is good. And they should be thankful. They should be thanking us, like licking our boots because we had the grace to give them $15 an hour. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. This is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. News starts now. At Britain's Windsor Castle, the royal funeral for Britain's Prince Philip has concluded. A smaller affair that would have been expected because of the pandemic. Normally, some 800 would have been there, but today, just 30. ABC News Royal contributor Victoria Murphy is in London. We were told that the Queen faced some very difficult decisions. She signed off on the final guest list. Just immediate family. However, interestingly and significantly, space has also been made for Prince Philip's German relatives, reflecting the fact that his four elder sisters married into German branches of the aristocracy. And I think that really tells us that while we didn't see that relationship played out publicly, actually this was something that was very important to him. Today, the coffin of Philip to be lowered into the royal vault at Windsor Castle. It will be his temporary resting place until the end of the life of his longtime wife, Queen Elizabeth, when at that time his body will be moved to to lie next to hers. Dave Packer, ABC News. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855 617 
877-927-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. The Dale Jackson Show, a safe space for terrible people. Weekdays, 7 to 11 a.m., only on WVNN. WVNN. Jacob Morrison here with my co-hosts David Story and Adam Keller. Uh, we have been talking about we've been talking about the coal miners strike. We've been talking about the Amazon union election. We've been talking about small business owners being very sad that uh, uh, being very sad that they um, are unable to get workers to get workers to uh, work for starvation wages. And now we're talking about so now we're talking about the Amazon Union election. Um and the thing that I left you off with is how amazing it has been that they have gotten folks to believe that a $15 an hour it, $15 an hour is a good wage. Uh like a good median wage for logistics work. And again, a, like this is the median wage at this facility. The maximum that just a normal uh, warehouse worker at this facility can make is $17 an hour. That is their top out. They can't make more than that unless they get promoted. Okay? And there are not – there are 5,800 people working in this facility. There are not 5,800 uh, – um, there are not 5,800 promotion potentials there. Okay? So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They're not even 5,800 full time positions, right. right? Quite a number of those are temporary positions from the get go or part time positions. Exactly. That's exactly right. This is and and so they have taken this. They have taken this slogan and and tried to turn it into and, and tried to uh, attach that to logistics work, which again, 20 to 30 years ago, even today at union companies like UPS, um, like like the United Postal United States Postal Service, uh, this is uh, this work is a good uh, good family supporting. Um, a good family supporting industry and uh, and and Amazon is not a family supporting job and it's worth pointing out smaller local regional warehouses pay more that are funny enough represented by the RWDSU they start out paying 18 19 20 21 dollars an hour they have better benefits and these are these are our warehouses that uh, their CEOs, don't make billions of dollars a year. 
They've got, and they have enough money to pay their workers $18, $19, $20 an hour. But Amazon doesn't? It's absurd. Uh, you know, so if you want to, if you want to weigh in here, feel free. 1-866-494-9866 is the number. Uh, but, but one of the things that was really sad to me is that workers involved in the organizing effort told me that there were dozens of letter carriers and like postal workers that were tricked by the corporate Amazon propaganda um, and, and they were they were convinced to leave their good paying union jobs at the postal service to go work for Amazon and after having been subjected to the um, realizing like oh, I'm stuck at $15 an hour. Like they took pay cuts because they were convinced that this would be a better career for them. But they got there, they realized, oh man, I'm stuck at $15, 16 maybe $17 an hour. Uh, that's where I'm stuck at. They are now like clamoring for their jobs back at the Postal Service and, uh, you know, like uh, some of them are not able, haven't been able to get their jobs back. And it's just so sad. Um, to see that you know, like these workers, they fell for the for that propaganda. I mean, really, just like propaganda in the negative sense, like like uh, I, I mean, just corporate PR that doesn't have a basis in reality. You know, they don't get enough breaks. The pace is absurd at Amazon warehouses, and like Adam said, you can look at it. Uh, you you can see that by looking at the turnover. There's a 100% turnover in Amazon facilities because the work is grueling and the pay isn't enough. And and that's uh, – I mean like 100% turnover rate, that's like restaurant stuff right there. You know, That's not like a UPS turnover rate. That's not a postal service turnover rate. Right. I mean, that's not are, like a real job. They are lowering the standards for the entire mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. It's, it's really – it's really gross, and the turnout and, and, and the the turnover really affects union elections because um, when you you know obviously I think this is kind of tautological. Like you can you know you just think about it for a second and it makes sense. The people that leave right, they are the ones that are more likely to not be satisfied with the with the work and um rwdsu estimates that as much as 25 percent of the eligible um of people that were eligible to vote uh uh of people that were eligible to vote um they left between the time that the voting started and now um so Adam, we've got to call the. Well, you pick it up and you press you press the number that it's on, and you should be able to hear him. Can you hear him now? Or you got to let him know that you're there. No, it's an empty dial tone. Okay, get uh, one. Pick up one. There's somebody calling in on one. That might be it then. Um, Valley Labor Report. You might have to hit it again. There we go. A Valley Labor Report. All right, so we've got that taken care of. Then got somebody on the line. Um. So yeah, sorry about that. Uh, at, uh, David had stepped out, and Adam hadn't worked the phones before, so I had to talk him through that live on the air. But um, you know, twenty-five percent of the eligible workforce, twenty-five percent of the eligible workforce in the election were gone by the end of it. That is twenty-five percent is more than the company's margin of victory, and uh, that means you know the folks that are left. Like I said, they're 
the the folks that left the company are much more likely to have been dissatisfied and uh and their replacements don't get a vote in the election because they weren't part of the original bargaining unit right and so you know they left. They're not eligible to vote. Their replacements aren't eligible to vote. The only people that are left are the people that uh, that that were um, that didn't leave. The only people that are still working there are the people that were not so dissatisfied that they left. And I mean, seriously, twenty five percent. That's more than the company's margin of victory, and the margin of victory was huge for the company. The company had more than a thousand more votes than the union did. So the other side of that is, you know, like, can Amazon afford to compensate them more, right? And I think that's obvious. I don't think I have to do a lot of convincing there. Um, yes. Yeah, so, Adam, to get them on the air, uh, you're going to want to hit, um, hit n- n- next, I think. D- man, David is usually I, – I done forgot. I'm not doing it now. So you'll hit next. Mm, maybe hit hold. Did you hit hold? Yeah. Hmm. Hold on. Hmm. Well, Adam, if you could uh, just set the phone down and go see if you can find David, and because I've done forgot how to work the phones now. Man, I can't believe that. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, but but yeah. So um, <clears throat> you know. Amazon can obviously afford to compensate them more, right? Like, I don't think I've got to convince you a whole lot of that. Um, because, like I said, they compensate them less than local warehouses do. Uh, because Amazon has all of the power in this relationship. The other thing that you hear is that uh, it is absurd that the union is pointing out that coercion – that that there is coercion and intimidation that Amazon engaged in, okay? And this is just, again, this is just pointing out the facts of the matter with regard to a union election in this country. Because uh, companies all the time engage in, uh, they engage in intimidation, they engage in coercion. Uh, So one of the things, the biggest thing, the biggest thing is, um, is that, Amazon has uh, uh, that Amazon has they, they they requested to put a drop box on their property, the postal service. Um, uh, they they requested for the postal service to put a drop box on their property, and the NLRB like they requested it, and the NLRB said no. You can't do that because uh, that is super coercive, and there's there because you've got you've got a. Uh, 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 You've got surveillance on this on this drop box. You've got eyes on it, and uh, you've got managers that are asking folks, "Oh, hey, did you put your did you put your ballot in? Did you did you vote no yet? I, I noticed that you haven't been to the uh, to the drop box." And the whole dear over this over the course of this whole election. There was questions about um, – there were questions about, oh, does Amazon have the keys to this? They never came out – the Postal Service, nobody ever came out and definitively said, no, it is only the Postal Service that has the keys to this box. And so throughout this whole election, you're having managers ask people to, to bring their ballots that they got at home and bring them to work 
and put them in the Dropbox. Okay, that's it. Like, if you can't understand, like, think about it in the context of an election for public office. Okay, would you be okay even if the postal service says they're the only people with the key? Would you be okay with a Dropbox for ballots being placed at the Democratic Party headquarters? No, of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. And Randy Hadley, the president of the Mid-South Council of the RWDSU, told us, uh, he commented on the stream that along with that, 40 other ULPs, 40 other unfair labor practices were filed against Amazon by the union yesterday. That means 40 different instances where Amazon interfered with their workers against the law, which I'll talk about this this later. But clear as day against the law, Amazon violated their workers' free and fair opportunity to cast a vote in this election. And, uh, you know, uh, so... uh, the fact that there are 40 violations of labor law, given how expansive and how much leeway the company has in this country uh, d- during union elections, is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, the, you said the caller had a, a comment about the minimum wage. Yeah, uh, I just want to uh, share Mel's point here about minimum wage here in the state of Alabama. If you recall a few years ago, uh, there was a budget crisis in the state, and of course the legislature was having trouble getting it resolved. Around the same time, we had a raise the wage movement across the country and, and here in Alabama. Uh, we did have raise the wage in Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, Montgomery, Mobile, and in Birmingham. And in Birmingham, it was successful, in fact. Um, mm. You may remember, city of Birmingham passed a local ordinance to raise their minimum wage. Uh, and just in no time, suddenly the legislators who <laughs> were struggling to accomplish anything managed to get a bill through both houses and get it signed uh, by the governor to prevent cities right. from making their own decision to raise the minimum wage. You know, so right. small government folks yeah. telling local government what they can and can't do to support their own community. Uh, you know, and so that movement was sort of squashed a little bit by the legislature mm-hmm. trying to intervene and prevent local rule, which is a whole nother, you know, subject yeah. we could get on another time. But, you yeah. know, I thought that was a great point to tie in, you know, the fight for 15 movement here in Alabama and how Amazon has sort of co-opted that 15, you know, as a number that's, that's right. popular uh, to sort of integrate that into their corporate propaganda. Right, right. So one of the things that Amazon does and did that is within the bounds of the law, here again, we're, we have some free speech and freedom of association issues, in my opinion. Um, Amazon forced and routinely does force... Um, Amazon forced and routinely does force employees to sit through hours of anti-union propaganda. They are forced at the threat of their job that they have to sit through, uh, sit through. And, and so the company has unfettered 24/7 access to workers um, that that the the union that the workers that are trying to organize a union in their workplace that the or, that the workers that are trying to fight for better wages and working conditions inside of their workplace they don't have these uh, this unfettered access that the uh, uh, that the employers do okay and so 
And, and everything, and like, you know this if you think about it even for two seconds, everything that a boss says to you is undergirded in coercion. Anytime they make a suggestion, there's always the threat that you're going to lose your job if you don't follow it. That's obvious. We'll be right back. One more segment. This is the Valley Labor Report. To the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 256- Eight seven six four eight eight zero. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. WVNN. All right, folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host, Adam Keller. We are talking about the Amazon Union election, uh, trying to rebut some of the claims that you're going to hear on this station and across other conservative media. Um, we're going to get the music cut off here in just a second. All right, there we go. So, <clears throat> so like I said, Randy Hadley the president of the Mid-South Council of the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union, which is the union that the workers chose to represent them, he filed 40 unfair labor practices, which means that Amazon, on 40 separate occasions, on 40 separate occasions, they went over the bounds of what employers can do in our context and in, 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 within the bounds of our labor law, which is really astounding because like I said, employers, <clears throat> it is okay for them to, at the threat of their of a worker's job, force them to sit there and listen to anti-union propaganda and not give the uh, not give workers who want a union chance to respond. In fact, 
every single worker there had to sit through these anti-union meetings. And when workers who under, who actually knew the ways that these fancy union-busting attorneys, this third party that the company brought inside to uh, get between their uh, uh, to to get between their negotiations between themselves and the workers, these this third party <clears throat> that they pay. <clears throat> Ten to twenty to thirty thousand dollars a day that they spent a total of twenty five million dollars on these third party union busting attorneys, um, workers who understood the misrepresentations that they were making and asked questions in such a way that the misrepresentations and the lies and the half truths were laid bare. Those workers, they had their ID cards scanned. They had pictures of them taken as they left the meeting, and they were never invited back to another one of those anti-union meetings. Every time that a worker challenged the narrative that was being pushed by these multi-millionaires that were trying to get them to vote against the union, they were threatened implicitly, which... You know, I mean, you know, like I think we're all adults here. We can understand that if you challenge a narrative that is being pushed by your boss and you're the only one as you come out of the meeting that has their picture taken and you're never invited back to another one of these meetings, like we I mean, we're like we are all adults, right? We understand. I just, you know, I want it to, real slowly. I'm accused of talking too fast sometimes. I, and, you know, I don't know if, like, maybe Dale is listening, so I want to talk real slow. Like, we understand how that's coercive, right? Right? We do, surely. Um, and, and so, again, just like with the mailbox, you would not accept, you would not accept an election where uh, a, a ballot drop box was stationed inside Democratic Party headquarters. Think about <clears throat> think about an election for public office where Democrats have 24/7 access to every voter. They have the ability to call voters in for mandatory sessions uh, that they get to spill. They get to to uh, uh, hit them with all of their Democrat. Party talking points. They have unfettered access, and they have the ability to, let's say that Democrats had the ability and Republicans didn't, to call all of the voters in <clears throat> to an auditorium and make them, make them listen to everything for hours and hours and hours over the course of an election. And let's say that the Democrat Party had the ability to contact a voter's employer and get them fired if they did not come to their mandatory Democrat Party talking points meetings. And let's say that every time, you know, everybody gets called to multiple ones of these uh, of these Democrat Party meetings where, where they go over uh, all of their talking points for the elections. And let's say every time you've got a good God-fearing Christian conservative in there, and they raise their hands and they ask a question that challenges the premise that the Democrat propagandists are pushing. Let's say every time somebody does that, no, as this person is leaving the meeting, you know 
that the Democrats have the ability to call your employer and fire you if you don't attend these meetings, right? You know that they've got this power over you. And they're taking names. And they're taking names. After you challenge them in the meeting, you leave the meeting, and they take a picture of you. They ask your name again. They ask you what your address is again. And uh, you're never invited back to one of these propaganda sessions. Right? Like, we're adults, and we understand how that's coercive. Right? And the Republicans... They don't get any of this access. They have to, they have to scour personal connections and uh, uh, and and hope that the voters give them the opportunity to talk to them. But they don't have this unfettered access. They don't have this power over their paycheck like the Democrats do. Like we understand how that would be coercive, and all of that that I just laid out is completely legal within the context of a union election. That are those are things that happen in every single union election in this country, and those are ha- things that happened over and over and over again in this election, and that's all completely and totally legal within the labor law regime that we have currently, and so. <laughs> It's amazing that even after that, even within the bounds of of the wildly skewed anti-worker labor law that Amazon has, they felt the need to violate the law on 40 different occasions. All of this coercion and manipulation and ability to propagandize the workers was not enough for them. It wasn't enough for them. They said, we need to go above and beyond. We need to break the law so that we can be sure that we win this election by any means necessary. And we can see across the country that uh, there are cases where unfair labor practices have been adjudicated against Amazon and where Amazon has lost and where uh, – and where – Amazon workers have had to be reinstated, but the penalty for firing workers and for illegally retaliating against them is so meager that it just becomes a cost of doing business in these elections. And Jeb Miles, uh, good brother from the iron workers, he pointed out that Amazon workers get penalized for slowing down to go to the bathroom, the notorious time-off task that you can learn more about if you listen to our interviews with Daryl and Jennifer. They get penalized for slowing down to go to the bathroom but they had they they were forced to sit for hours for hours over the course of this election uh to attend these mandatory anti-union meetings where the company literally they lied they lied on multiple occasions and they gave misrepresentations they gave half truths and it was all completely legal so going to the bathroom off task Sitting in the meeting, listening to this BS. You'll get fired if you don't do it. You'll get fired if you don't do it. I think it's a great point to just kind of illustrate how things that we often accept in the workplace, we would never accept out Mm -hmm. in, you know, uh, public office or in our community. Uh, You know, folks who are, are very much into their liberty... And right. don't want you to tread on their liberty are happy mm-hmm. to accept dictatorship in the workplace right because that's what that is um, you know if Alabama is playing 
North Alabama in football, and all the referees have agreed to not call any penalties on Alabama. And oh, by the way, Alabama gets to put more than 11 players on the field. Uh, Who do you think is going to win? Yeah. I I mean, and those are kind of the odds that we have stacked against us right now. Yeah. Adam, that is exactly right. Folks, you have been listening to the Valley Labor Report. Make sure you're following us online. We'll see you next week.